Hello and welcome to this edition of One for the Road. I'm your host, Randy Schlechting, joined in studio as always by my good friend, Bob Carter. Today, we are joined in studio by David McNeely, Ty Bryant, and Jeff Summers, three of our youth pastors here at Perimeter Church. They're going to chat with us a little bit about what it means to be a parent, what they see in kids, things that are happening today in students, and just the life and times of a youth pastor. So it should be an engaging conversation. Uh, Bob and I will throw in our own stories and just uh, thoughts about what it means to be a parent too. So hope you'll enjoy it and pray that you might uh, just uh, learn something through this that might be helpful as you parent uh, kids or as you maybe come alongside the kids of other members here at Perimeter Church. Here we go now, one for the road. All right, here with uh, Ty, Jeff, and uh, what's your name again? David. David, yeah. (laughs) As we were thinking about this issue of parenting, uh, a lot of questions kind of come to mind uh, regarding uh, this particular topic, but here's one that I just want to throw out to you all. When you, th- when you hear Christian parenting, just what comes to mind? I mean, briefly, what comes to mind when you hear that? Uh, what immediately comes to my mind is a bookstore filled with advice and uh, formulas and uh, a lot of things that you can get at any local bookstore, whether it be a Christian or secular bookstore, that uh, there's information galore on um, what Christian parenting is according to ex-author okay I think the first thing I thought was was a negative of of parents trying to protect their children from society Mm -hmm. Uh, but then I thought uh, the definition of a Christian parent is somebody who's trying to raise their child with a biblical world and life view I mean what the outcome that they're trying to pursue as a Christian parent is to see kids who are lovers of Christ and to see that work out in their life as they get older and right. see fruit from that. Okay. I think for me, I look at it and I see, I think, is there any such thing? I think really it's fallen people parenting mm. because we are so fallen and we need our kids to see that we can't do it. We, we are going to fail. We're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. And if they can see that our refuge is in Christ, that we ask forgiveness, that we can't do it on our own, they're going to realize they can't be obedient either. You know, they need to ask Jesus for help, ask, you know, through the Holy Spirit that they're able to live a life. So Christian parenting to me, I mean, there are Christian parents and you want to live biblically and teach your kids a biblical worldview, but to me it's more we're following people parenting. You know, we're just messed up. So teaching our kids the best we can about how to know Jesus. Bob, I think for the first round, I'm going to give the the winner will be time. Oh, I can't decide. <laughs> That's right. They're all good answers. That's right. Dog. Let me see what you got there. Um, you know, I uh, as as each one of you were talking, it's almost as if uh, and you use the word negative, but you kind of each one of you kind of talked about it in such a way that almost of of like, well, this is what I don't want it to be over here. And why is that? Why is it that that uh, that maybe you all kind of came at it from that perspective. For me, uh, I'm looking at it from a book standpoint, a uh, a conferencing. Which, all, by the way, I'm for all those things. They provide great insights and help. And uh, so it's not to say that uh, those aren't helpful and useful, and that they're not God ordained, etc. I'm looking at it saying I don't think that it can be condensed into 
uh, this is how it is done. And my reasoning for that is I've got a brother that is older. I've got a brother that's younger. I'm in the middle. I had the same parents who lived godly, sincere lives before me. Um, I, I learned from my mother, for example, the importance of studying Scripture. I never remember a day in which she wasn't at the breakfast table with her Bible open and, and learning from it. I never remember a day in which my father wasn't praying. And every major event throughout our life, uh, my father prayed. So they lived the same lives uh, in front of us. So they were Christian parents who were parenting us. Um, but my older brother and younger brother did not stray from the gospel while they were under the roof of mom and dad. I did. So uh, same love, um, same example, same uh, parents that were there, but, uh, but, but it worked out very differently for each of the kids. So because the kids are different, different personalities, I, I don't know that I can shove uh, Christian parenting into any one particular formula. So that, where I'm coming from is, is I'm saying I don't want us to place a hope in a single system that is going to produce what it is that we want to produce. It, it's up to the Holy Spirit to produce what He's going to produce. It's not a formula, what you're it's, saying. It's not, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I don't think that it can be convinced of being that simplistic. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this. That's, that's not, well, I'll say this. I don't know if that's what want, people want to hear. Right. right. We, want a, we want a formula. We want to say, we'll do this, 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 and this is what you'll get. You know, this will come out on the end. You know, I pray with parents that are dealing with struggling with kids on a weekly basis, and we talk about what's going on in their lives and what's going on with their kids. And and I see as we talk through that the guilt that they feel because mm-hmm. they do own it. I mean, they've got a child in rebellion or who's struggling, and I can see how much they hold on to that as it's my fault. You know, and they'll even say things like that all the time. And I I always try to remind them by the end of the time we pray in my prayer or or when we're discussing things to say you know god was god's the perfect father and he had rebellious kids Mm -hmm. and we're all rebellious and and we we have to keep that in mind as we parent that uh, i i am convinced so much more of kids is hardwired into who they are i mean from the beginning not to say that we don't have there's a lot we can do but certainly if we take the credit, we have to take the blame mm-hmm. at the same time. And so I, I think it's, it's important that we try to remember they're God's kids, and we're just stewarding them as best we can, like, like Ty said so well, under, as fallen people, you know, with sinful filters ourselves, and, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that we can accomplish things as we trust Him and work through His power mm-hmm. to parent our kids. I can really relate to the guilt part. You know, as most of you know, I just became an instant dad. I had the Adwater instant family happen, you know, nine months ago or ten months ago. And I go to bed every night literally still thinking, those kids are going to be in counseling because of me. Or those kids are going to need help. And the truth is they oh, they may need counseling, but it's we're all fallen. I'm messed up. I'm going to teach them wrong things. But my desire is to show them Jesus. And uh, like my son the other day, he had been disciplined, and I said, Okay, Levi, we were talking. I said, if you could be any animal, what would you be? He said, I would be a shark so that I could eat you and Jesus too. And so I get that. You know, we sometimes we want to just kick against what Jesus wants to do, what's right. And I understood that. I feel that way some days. Mm-hmm. And so it's letting him see that I'm there, but I do feel guilty. I get that. It's hard, you know, praying with parents because you, you take the weight of that. Uh, but Jesus already took the weight of that on the cross. Mm-hmm. He wants us to understand that. We showed him that he's gonna. Well, I read a, I read a uh, an article in Christianity Day a few months ago called uh, "The Myth of the Perfect Parent," 
which was excellent, by the way. But one of the things that the, the author says in there is uh, what's important is that we're faithful. And, of course, uh, on, honestly, none of us are entirely faithful. We all blow it. But if you had to ask, okay, well, okay, I know I can't, uh, I know I don't have total control over this. I know it's not a formula. I know that. But God has called me to be faithful. Mm-hmm. And so what, is that, what does that look like for me as a parent? What does it mean that I'll be faithful as a parent? What, talk about that. Uh, I go back to my uh, formative years. Um, I remember uh, sitting out in my driveway uh, on the hood of my dad's car. He and I shared a old 1984 Maxima that uh, <laughs> he had three quarters of and I had a quarter of. I remember sitting there um, in my uh, beginning of my senior year of high school and he had read to me the resignation letter he had given to his session. Uh, he was a pastor, still is a pastor this day. And uh, his resignation letter was there because I was in the right in the middle of struggling through uh, being a drunk in a high school incapable of overcoming that. And um, I felt the guilt as a kid, et cetera. But as the years went on, um, for, even from that night, um, and as years went on, it only became more um, apparent to me. What I needed the most from my dad, um, he was supportive. He went to 90 AA meetings with me in 90 days. Um, it, my father went well beyond the, the call of duty. But the thing I needed the most from him is I just honestly needed him to love Jesus, to walk with God, and then God did something through him that I can't explain to this day. That uh, what I needed the most, yes, discipline, absolutely. Um, yes, I was on restrictions. Yes, they tightened the reins in. I was not allowed to go out to certain places. All that stuff is, is good and wise. Um, but what I needed to hear the most was um, in that, um, I knew my father walked with God. Um, I got to see that. That's what later on in the years, as they went down um, the passage, um, it was your kindness that brings us to repentance. That's what I got to see was the kindness of my father not and not disciplining me. Um, it, it was just in his walk with God. That is what I became jealous for, became thirsty of mm-hmm. in the years that came about. So um, that, that would be my greatest advice. You know, that, that's just counterintuitive, I think, because you know, we do a lot of marriage work here now, and it's interesting, the same thing. You get the husband wants to fix the wife, the wife wants to fix the husband, and we, we're saying to both of them, look to, look to Christ. We're saying to the husband, Begin looking to Jesus, and your wife will begin seeing you looking to him. So, so it's the same thing, as opposed to Absolutely. look to your kid, fix your kid, get your kid in order, get your relationship right with Christ, and that will be helpful. Somehow, God works through that to the kids. Yeah, I had plenty of information. I don't think I needed yeah. more info. But you're not suggesting that that's formulaic, meaning no. that if I just look to Jesus, then my kids will look to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Right, no. Because my father was looking to Jesus for years, and right. I wasn't looking to him then. Right. Um, but it was what I needed later on down right. the road. Right. Okay. I think parenting's hard, too, when you did not have that kind of relationship with your father, which I didn't. And so I had to learn, you know, first John talks about the Holy Spirit teaches us. He did, but also people coming into my life. Some of the men here at Perimeter, the Carl Wilhelms, the Bob Pattons, or the uh, Rick Gabies, who've really spoken into my life and really helped me see from a bi- biblical point of view what a godly man he is, how to treat his wife, how to treat his family. That came later for me, and that was really important. And I'm jealous of that. I mean, but hopefully I, I can uh, give that to my son, what you had with your dad, and he can see yeah. that it's just steady. You know? mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I feel like the faithfulness aspect, 
I think of that that verse that talks about you know talked about it when you walk along the road and when you rise up and when you lie down. I mean that's the big mm-hmm. parenting verse, and I thought a lot about that. That it, I don't feel like that's always you're having devotions at those times. I think it's as parents. What I want to see is parents interacting with real life with their kids, having that communication line open, and having the kids see that the parents are filtering every situation through Scripture, through God, through turning to God, which each situation. Um, you know, I can remember, and again, my, I can't separate it from my own experience growing up. We, we didn't have devotions and stuff like that regularly at my house, but my parents around the dinner table, how was your day? And as you talk about your day... The questions start coming. Well, what what do you think? And and they would slow, you know, turn the conversation towards kind of a what, how, how does, how did that, what does the Bible have to say about that? How mm-hmm. how what do you think Jesus would do in that situation? I mean, I don't want to simplify it to what would Jesus do thing, but but it was definitely turning us to constantly thinking of what does Scripture have to say according to what situation you interacted with during the day, and. It really fits well with Randy's team's model. You know, you're kind of massaging the truth into real life, applying it on a regular basis. And that's the thing that's so hard is I, as I'm a parent myself now, and as I work with teens, just to see how intentional we have to be all the time about training up a child in the way he should go. Mm-hmm. You know, because I find myself wanting to be lazy. <laughs> you know, I'm tired at the end of the day, and sometimes you know the right thing is to do this, but man, I want to give in uh, in a situation because I'm just tired. Mm-hmm. They just wear you down. And that's what they don't, you don't know beforehand. <laughs> Before you have kids, you don't realize that they have way more stamina than you do as far as, as, far as that goes. So I remember uh, when uh, Randy Pope told me about when he was first in the pastor and a new dad, that he went to a seminar and a parenting seminar and there were 20, you know, 20 things to do to be a great parent or dad or whatever. And he said, I was in, there was a break, and we were in the bathroom, and I ran into this older man. He was a pastor. And he looked at me and said, young man, we didn't have this when I was your age. He said, we just tried to love our kids and pray for them. And uh, he said, you know, if we would have had something like this back then, he said, I think I would have really messed them up. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, That's true. And the, the point being of, of just, uh, and, and in fact, I talked to my wife about this last night, just our learnings. Of being parents ourselves, and obviously not perfect, but and 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 that is just the importance of just loving your kids, praying for them, and and a lot of times, and this is another question I want to ask y'all because a lot of time when I look back, where I feel like maybe I I I, I didn't I wasn't helpful or, or wasn't I don't know if the word's faithful, but I would see behavior I didn't like, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this, you know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna control it. We're somehow gonna fix this behavior. And, uh, and I think that was just not a good way to handle it, I think, a lot of times. You know, and, and a lot of times, I didn't know what to do a lot of times. But um, talk about that, the whole issue of trying to control behavior, trying to fix behavior. You know, you want them to change. You want them to be different. You don't want them to, to respond this way. So we're going we're gonna to fix it. And, I've, and I would find myself reacting rather than responding in a, in a, in a, in a godly way. That's been my biggest struggle as a dad, you know, marrying a single mom with a three and a five-year-old at the time, and now we have a five-week-old, and uh, 
just the fact that sometimes I'll see things. When I was single, you know, my house was in order, if you will. Everything was clean. <laughs> I mean, I'm highly organized, as y'all know. I'm really OCD about things. I like stuff just in like its place. Just like, you know, <laughs> yeah, Jeff right, and uh, right. David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it was it's crazy, but God, you know, he wanted to rock my world, and he did. And so sometimes there'll be an attitude or something not clean, and I'll catch myself getting angry almost inside. And there are times I've messed up. I've disciplined out of anger, and I'll have to go back. I've learned two things. Always go back and apologize. Mm -hmm. You know, Don't be afraid to say I'm sorry to your kids and ask forgiveness, and I've had to do that, and I still have to do that all the time. And then secondly, play with them. When I play with them, there are times that I can really teach them more about Jesus than any other time. Last night we were playing on my daughter's bed. We were playing like we were on a ship and it was going to sink. I was here. I'm a 40-year-old man playing with two kids on a bed, and we had to get all the supplies, and the ship was sinking. I mean, I felt like an idiot, but they really opened up, and they began to talk, and, and Bella even said, can we play that, that thing where Jesus, you know, walks on the water and calms the storm, and so you begin, they want to play out what they're hearing at church and what they're hearing at home, and I mean, you know, it's just... So you walked on water for them. Right? I did. Yeah. <laughs> He's the holiest guy. In now that I want, anyone can do that. Yeah. Time. Did I want to play? No, I was tired. You know, I'm like, I don't want to play. I'm thinking, I hate this the whole time. Right. But really, in the end, uh, God just said, "That's that's where you're yeah. going to meet them. Is just hanging with them, throwing a ball, just being there, and that's when you can, because if what you were talking about, just impart some of that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I think that Paul and Ted Tripp stuff. You know, the whole shepherding a child's yeah. heart, and mm-hmm. and of course. Paul Tripp did such a good job when he was here, you know, talking about that, but trying to get to the heart instead of focus on the behavior, which is so often just the outward, it's a symptom of what's really going on. And I don't know, often we just want to control our environment more than we really care what's in their heart. And I, when I've taught a parenting class before, you know, I'll, I'll say to the parents, if you catch yourself saying, as long as you live in my house, XXX, or, you know, I don't care what you do after you turn 18. You know, those statements, not that they're indicative of it entirely, but that can kind of show that you're just expecting a behavior at home. That, that, that statement to me almost says, I don't really care what you, what's in your heart. I just want you to do mm-hmm. X. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think we all feel that way at times, but that, that's the thing that, because kids, especially teenagers, are masters of showing you what you want to see. You know, they'll, they'll show you... Well, I know I can fly under the radar at home if I if I do this, and, and you can even see it in their face. You know that they, when they some of them are just biding their time, and I don't want that to happen. I, I even try to encourage parents that have kids in rebellion. Praise the Lord, you know where they are right now, so we yeah. know how to pray for them. Mm-hmm. We know how to talk to them. You know we can assume they're not believers, or, or at least mm-hmm. we know they're really struggling. And rather than a facade of of behavior that's not indicative of what's really going on in their heart. Mm-hmm. That's good. Can I can I twist the subject a little bit? Can I respond real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, because I, I I'm with uh, tattoo. I, I think for for me where I'm with my kids, my oldest are six, my youngest are are, are one, and I'm looking at it and saying uh, I am struggling with I think exasperating my kids, mm-hmm. uh, pushing them towards anger. Uh, I'm looking at that that verse is rather haunting for me right now as a as a dad. And I've been trying to think through this over the last several months, and this is what is true of me. Um, I am more times getting my identity as to what my children do as a reflection upon me. I I want my kids Mm -hmm. to respond a certain way, to behave a certain way, 
so that I really look good in front of those that I deem as important. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I am uh, having to repent of that. It was actually just Sunday um, afternoon before I came back up for our uh, small group um, in which I, I jumped on uh, my son, not physically, but uh, uh, verbally I jumped on him um, and had to go away after uh, talking with him. Um, had to go away in, in about 10 minutes and uh, just had to come back to him and say, buddy, I am so sorry. You did not deserve that. That's my six-year-old. And he doesn't understand all this right now, but I went ahead and told him, um, I, I'm sorry, buddy. You didn't deserve it. Um, I got on to you because um, I, I look bad, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So I, for me, controlling my environment um, sometimes just means I'm flat out having to repent to my kids. I repent before the Lord of it, and because um, that's where my heart is. You know, it's interesting as you say that. You make me think if, if, if God thought that or, or did that, he'd say, I'm, I'm going to get on to you for making me look bad. As opposed to saying that, he says, I'm, I'm going to get onto Jesus for you making all of us look bad here. You, you look bad. I mean, the, the, the gospel speaks in a different way. Mm-hmm. Where I want to twist the, the conversation to was this, though. I, the last maybe few minutes we have left here. I'd like to hear from you guys because you both work with teenagers-ish, and you work with sixth grade and, and then, then kind of down. Mm-hmm. What do you guys see that's different now in kids from even when you were that age? In terms of thinking, in terms of you know the internet fast-paced culture, the what's different now from when you guys were there, and then maybe what's the same? What's the kind of like that that thread runs through? You know, I think because a lot of parents are thinking, you know, when I was young, of course, it was, you know, the Beatles were different. You know, it's kind of like my parents were going, but you you, you get you got to be kidding. You know, now they'd be like mild, but. For parents now, they're listening to music out there, they're seeing rap, they're whatever it might be, and they're thinking, what's behind all that? So anyway, I don't know, I was going to throw that out, and what are you seeing different in kids now? That's a fascinating, I mean, we could talk for hours on that <laughs> subject. I mean, the whole, just the whole thing of postmodernism, but, but even technology and information is causing problems that we've never seen before. Obviously, we all have seen the effect, like pornography, for example. Mm-hmm. That was a problem that was always been around, but the way, you know, now, because of the ease of access, it's so much bigger problem than it ever was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but even in the way kids communicate, in the way they talk to one another, in the way, you know, just even four when I first got here two, almost three years ago now, we were debating whether or not we should have a Facebook group because some parents weren't comfortable with Facebook. Mm-hmm. Well, now we can't even think. That's our most effective way of communicating with students. Uh, actually, texting is, is replacing Facebook um, because it's the way they talk. And, and, and even as parents, that, that's something that they're connected to their whole community through electronic media. So if a parent takes someone's phone away, they don't realize they're taking away almost a, an access to their whole life. That's how they communicate. It's more than just a phone. Mm-hmm. Like when we were young, a phone was a tool to use to call someone. Mm-hmm. But for them, a phone is literally, it's a part of their identity. It's a part of how they communicate. It's a part of everything that they do. Uh, Facebook can be the same kind of thing. I mean, I've talked to several students, more than one, in our church that have had up to 25,000 texts in a month. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so that's you would think that would be an extreme case. <laughs> I'm saying more than one that I've personally spoken to 
over 25,000 texts. So the amount of information that they're receiving and sending, Mm -hmm. the amount of conversations that they're involved in in the course of a day with multiple people at the same time while they're in class, Mm -hmm. while they're, it's, it's a multitasking thing that we, we can't have no concept of that kind of communication information. And I think it changes the way they learn. It changes the way we think, um, it changes the way they think. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's going to create a lot of challenges for us. I mean, even for for us now when we teach, there's never a time when one of us is on stage at Morning Extra that there aren't kids texting or looking at their phone while we're teaching. And can you, you can get upset and, but you know, sometimes they're even texting to somebody two rows back Mm -hmm. about what you're saying and they're processing through the phone. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like that's just an example. I'm not saying that's happening all the time. I'm sure sometimes they're completely ignoring (laughs) what you're saying and and talking to somebody, but that's just one thing. You know, I'm just giving you one little example of something that is so completely different from our experience. Wow. Well, let me let me add on to that yeah. because there's so much that's written on this subject. Some of it's really good, some of it's worthless. Um, to, on this. But here's what I am firmly convinced of, is that in our culture today, there is so much information that is coming at the average student mm-hmm. through a whole bunch of different mediums. But television, movies, books, magazines, so forth, but the mediums and the, the speed at which they can access this information there's just a tremendous download that's taking place every day through their eyes mm. uh, that they get. Now, the reason I bring that up is because um, students are making value choices every second of the day as to what information will come in and stay, what they will soak in, what they will ponder, mm. um, what they will value. They make value judgments every minute on what it is they'll take in. And so I think one of the things that's different is, from when I was a kid even, um, someone could say something and it's going to come at me with far less coming at me at one time. Now someone can say something, and it's just another piece of information that's come from you know, the other 140 sources that they've got um, mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to us um, communicating important, essential information about life, about the gospel, about God, who he is, um, what's different for us is we intrinsically knew growing up that the spiritual component things are more important. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily true nowadays. This is just another piece of information that they're able to take in. So uh, we want to communicate in such a manner, primarily now, um, to students. We want to talk to them about why this is important. We want to motivate them to, to listen and access. Now, what I will say is this. The one thing that's the same that we can talk postmodern, we can talk all these other terms that are out there, um, but what is the same is that it, it will always be the same. Um, And that is personal relationships with people is ultimately what matters the most. Mm -hmm. So we can talk video games. We can talk all this other stuff that is fun. I love video games, (laughs) other things like that. We can talk all that. But um, really what's most important is one heart connecting with another heart. Mm -hmm. And that was the same with Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. It'll be the same till Jesus returns. Mm -hmm. It'll be the same throughout Mm -hmm. all of of eternity. Um, That community is what people long for. I think they just don't know how to get to it as easily now as they did even 20 years ago. Let me ask a follow-up question on that because you talk about all this information and I see it obviously coming and then the gospel, we're trying to kind of poke the the gospel through the center of that and say, okay, no, this out of the 140 things, are you finding you're having to redeem those 140 things or some of them because they're competition? And by that I mean... You know, how, how do you redeem a, you know, if they're singing song X or watching movie Y or 
whatever it might be, that you got to go out and say, here's how that points to Christ, that you can't ignore it and just right. say, we're just going to ignore those things. We're going to go here and forget them. Yeah, how, I mean, how do you do that, maybe? Our philosophy is it's 100% about teaching kids to swim in the culture they're mm-hmm. in and that all truth belongs to God. You know, we're in the redemptive business. God's in the redemptive business. And if, if you see, like, good art is when you see art that's beautiful and wonderful, it's because the artist has captured something that's true. And we know that God is truth. And so we focus on that aspect a lot and try to have them see how God's story is written in all the other stories. Um, but that is a very difficult thing. I was going to point out, just David made me think of another real difference, is there's no meta narrative. There's no, there's, there is no, they're very much into hyper-individualism right now. Mm. Uh, everything is tailored, if you think about it. I mean, even TiVo now, we don't watch TV at the same time anymore. We don't listen to one radio station. I mean, where I grew up, there were three main radio stations, the country, the classic rock, and the pop. Now, most people don't listen to radio stations. They get their kind of music on their playlist on their iPod or their XM station mm-hmm. or their... When we put, send out surveys to students, it was fascinating. We wanted to do dissect some TV shows. Well, when we grew up with the 13 channels, everybody was watching the same TV show. We had the same experience on a weekly basis. Right. Now you show up, and with cable and with the Internet, and with there's no common anything. We couldn't get, out of 250 students when we sent out surveys, we couldn't get but maybe five to agree on a show that they watch wow. as their top show. Mm-hmm. It, that would be the most that we got votes on anything. Five votes for one show out of 250 kids. Because they're all so hyper-individualized into things. And that makes it harder to draw illustration. It makes it harder to make connection. Because you might be saying, and in this popular song, the lyrics are, mm-hmm. and half the people don't even know what that song is. Because it's not a part of their experience anymore. Wow. So that's another challenge, certainly, that we have. Wow. Bob's just sitting there thinking when he was young, they had three three TV stations. Yeah, and I had to get up and change the channel to my it's black, it's black and white too. Yeah, right? I, know, I remember when it went color, don't you? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I do remember yeah. when it went color. That, that leads me to say there are two books that I would recommend if you're thinking about this culture. They're very good. It's called The Narcissism Epidemic is one, and the other one is Generation Me. It talks exactly what you just said. Yeah. How we're very just mm-hmm. we've decentralized everything. It's hyper individualism. Just mm-hmm. it's becoming more and more, and what that's going to look like, and how we as a church can respond and different things but you know we even had to use the movie avatar for our easter program and uh and the kids quest wow. thing we took the movie we looked at it because that's what kids are watching even like fourth fifth and sixth graders and we had avatars we had the colorful costumes that kind of thing coming out of the ceiling black light you know we repelled mm-hmm. uh, brett crow and i repelled out of the ceiling <laughs> we had people coming up out of the and there was this huge egg the avatars broke the egg part and there was a cross Wow. To point. So we're we're trying to redeem what they're already seeing, just right. like you said, mm-hmm. and so in simple ways, even for our elementary kids, because we have third and fourth graders that have phones. Yeah. Well, well let me let me um, and, and we'll draw this to a close, and I feel like boy, we need to get back together. Yeah. I mean, we I do we absolutely. I mean, uh, just briefly talk about young parent, maybe an older parent. I don't know. You know, this is overwhelming. You know, and, and part of me just wants to say, oh, please, you know, I'm just, you know, I know there's battles and struggles and things like that, but um, 
how, how can you not make this overwhelming to yeah. me as a parent? You know, and I don't, I don't. By the way, I'm, I don't think you're saying all this stuff is negative. No, uh-uh, not at, all. at all. But it's just, it's just, oh, it's all overwhelming, you know. And and sometimes people obsess about, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? And you know, some people may want to become Amish. I don't know, but right. you know, <laughs> some, some, <laughs> encourage us. Yeah, the uh, um, it, it's one of the reasons why I ended with what I, what I ended with a few minutes ago. Um, it rather than citing all the statistics for you, let me say this is a blanket statement. I'll be happy to provide you with these statistics later on. But it is so overwhelming. The research shows the most important voice for a student from birth all the way through high school is mom and dad. Mm. Students and other friends are more important in terms of what it is that they wear, what, what kind of music they listen to. But when it comes to real, true life decisions that are important, um, they want mom and dad's input. And so let me encourage you with, th- with just this. If, if you choose to ignore all the stuff that's out there, um, books, et cetera, um, on culture, which I wouldn't recommend you do that, but I wouldn't recommend you get so inundated with it that you become overwhelmed. But if you can only remember one thing, just remember this, your kid wants desperately to connect with you. And if you just focus in on connecting with your kid mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. conversation, through uh, finding out about their heart, what is it that they're interested in? Um, and I'm not saying you become child-centric where they run the home. Uh, what I'm saying is, is that when you connect with your child's heart, that is the single most important thing um, that you can do. So you are connecting with God's heart, and then you are connecting with your child's heart. Um, I would say just focus in on that. That's well put. You want to add? Very, very well put. Okay. I wouldn't change anything. I think you're right. You're right, you're very right that that's what we do. We focus on, sometimes we try to find the formula and there's not one, just spend time with them. Act, you know, show that you're interested in what they're doing uh, you know, and, and let them know that you wanna talk about it. Even if it's something you're not comfortable with, even if they're not following the Lord, engage in conversation about that with them so that they can hear you and know that you love them even where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Well put, and I think just for us to remember, you know, how is our father interacting with us? Maybe yeah. we should interact with our kids the same way. We're going to wrap there. We are going to have you guys back. I would love to explore this whole idea even further, um, but we want to make sure we keep short enough here to where guys will listen to it in the car because we know how you guys are. 30 minutes and you're out of here. So we're going to thank you guys for being in studio with us today, and we will absolutely have you guys back. Uh, we want to encourage all of you. You know you can subscribe to One for the Road out on iTunes now, so please uh, do that if you haven't already, and we will see you the very next time we get together.